This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. How are you doing? I just survived a 24-hour sci-fi movie marathon, so I'm really ready to talk about Die Hard 5. Well, I just uh, leaped off a skyscraper and fell through multiple stories of scaffolding and survived without a bruise on my body. You don't have to brag, Andrew. I didn't ask you about your day. (laughs) I know you're on vacation. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to vacation. Okay, good. Uh, This is episode number 37 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie A Good Day to Die Hard. If you're new to Cinema Fix, this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the film and you would appreciate that kind of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. As I mentioned uh, earlier this week, the movie we're going to be talking about is A Good Day to Die Hard. This is the fifth film in the Die Hard franchise, and we actually recorded a special bonus episode of the show on the first four films in the series. You can find that on the website at filmgeekradio.com or through iTunes. We had a great lineup of guests on that episode, including Sean O'Connell from Fandango and The Washington Post, uh, Whitney Seibold from Crave Online, and Tim Costa from the First Time Watchers podcast. And Tim is actually going to be joining us in part two of this episode when we talk spoilers, so be sure to tune in for that. Monica, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little information about A Good Day to Die Hard? So basically, John McClane's son... Jack gets into trouble in Russia. John McClane, being John McClane, goes over to Russia, blows stuff up, bails his son out. End scene. I think that's a pretty good description. <laughs> it's yeah, the gist. It's father and son issues. Yes. Yeah. And this is the first Die Hard movie to be set outside of the United States. So that's sort of interesting, I guess. No. Kind of. <laughs> Anyways, here's a clip. I'm giving you a weapons. Do you know what I hate about the Americans? Everything. Especially cowboys. <laughs> What's funny there? It's not you. I love these outfits. <laughs> you remember the last time we tried? Thing, 
this is part one of our episode on A Good Day to Die Hard, so we're just going to take ten minutes to give some brief, spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. I am starting the clock now. Monica, I have to ask, because unfortunately you weren't able to be on our bonus episode about the first four films in the Die Hard series, I'm wondering, are you a Die Hard fan? Have you seen all the Die Hard movies? I've only missed out on the second one. I've seen the first one before, and I just saw the third one now, and I saw the fourth one on its release. Okay. So I'm up to speed on the, the mythos of John McClane. Well, before I get into my thoughts on A Good Day to Die Hard, what did you think of this movie? Can someone give Bruce Willis the role that isn't, like, a grumpy old man? <laughs> he, I really think he needs, like, to break out of this typecasting. Because it's really been every role he's come on the screen in the past, like, five years. It's just a grumpy old man with a gun. I mean, I was really happy when, you know, he toned it down a notch for Wes Anderson. <laughs> That's about it. That's true. I guess he was a grumpy old man in Looper. Yes. He, he just did it better than usual in that film. Yeah, well, in that film, it was almost, like, called for. And, like, so if you compare the first John McClane to this John McClane, I definitely don't want to hang out with this John McClane. The other John McClane seemed a lot nicer. He seemed like a person instead of, like, get off my lawn kind of character. Yes. One of the things that makes the original Die Hard such a classic is that you get the feeling... John McClane is really just a normal dude. He's just an average cop. In over his head. In, in over his head in this situation, kind of desperately trying to figure out what to do. And by the time we get to this one, he's kind of like a superhero. Uh, I mean, that was one thing that we talked about in our bonus episode, particularly in regards to the fourth film. Mm -hmm. That's the movie in which he just pretty much becomes indestructible and is just doing so many over-the-top ridiculous things. Um, I actually like the fourth movie. I was going to say, I actually, that. I remember liking the fourth film because it was kind of smart. And it was talking about internet terrorism, which I really dug at the moment, um, because not a lot of other movies were tapping into that just yet. Right. And in the fourth movie, even while at times it doesn't feel like a good diehard movie, because yeah. as I said, John McClane just feels very different. Mm -hmm. It's still a really fun action movie, but this movie is not fun at all. No. It is horribly written, awfully directed. At this point, John McClane isn't just a superhero. He also is like a murderous sadist. So many Russians are murdered in the name of this mission. I mean, there's a point in the movie when he and his son are supposedly having this heart-to-heart -heart conversation, and his son is basically just like, you You kill scumbags. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is your job, is to kill scumbags. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, no, 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 no. No, you're a cop. <laughs> yeah, he's, John McClane's a cop. He doesn't kill scumbags. He will do that if he has to in order to save other people. Yeah. But that is not his primary MO. Also, can we talk about there was this one great moment where I actually like threw my hands up in the air in the theater where the guy actually says, this isn't 1986 anymore, your Reagan is not in power. And everything about this movie made it seem like this was a Cold War movie going back and fighting the Russians and the communists and just on their turf and like mo like just mowing them over with bullets. Right, and I don't have a problem with the fact that the movie is set in Russia. 
other than it's just basically a lot of him like speak English in a right. foreign country. Right. I, I, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the original villains in in the first Die Hard movie were Russian. German. And, you know, there is in German. Yes. Han, no, Hans Gruber and Simon Gruber are German. Yes, they are German. Harumph. <laughs> but I have no problem with it taking place in Russia. The problem is it's they just don't do anything interesting with it at all, except at the end when I'm not going to spoil it here, but they, they go to a famous uh, Russian location, let's say. And that's really the only Ukraine. point at which... It, <laughs> okay, I guess if you're being technical about it. <laughs> that's the only point at which it... It, it really feels like it's necessary for it to be in another country. It's just, this movie's just a total mess. I mean, Jay Courtney plays John McClane's son, and I actually like him as an actor. Uh, I, I saw him on Spartacus. He was great mm -hmm. on that show. I think he, he does have a lot of talent. Unfortunately, this script does not give him any room <laughs> to, to, to show off his chops at all. Yeah. No, I didn't have, I didn't walk away with a great impression of him, other than the fact that when he stood side by side by Bruce Willis, their like facial structure is totally different, and they're like, yeah, father and son. Why? Because they're both bald? No, they just it didn't look like it at all. I mean, I can, I can buy him as Bruce Willis's son. Because he's also I, I an guess. asshole in this movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's a selfish asshole. And, and also their relationship in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just so forced. Not only is it a pre-cliché story arc where, you know, the father and son are estranged, and then by the end of the movie they're supposed to put aside their differences and come together. They don't even handle that well. They, they, they can't even do the cliched stuff well in this movie. There will be like, they'll be like in the middle of a shootout and suddenly start talking about their, uh, their family issues. Yeah. And it's like, is this supposed to be cute? Because it's not cute. It's just stupid. Yeah. And that whole car chase sequence. Like, what? What? Yeah. There are three major action sequences in this movie. They are all incomprehensible. I could not tell you oh, what happened. Oh, and they were just ugly. There was one point where I was like, I pointed out to my boyfriend who went and watched the movie with me. I, I paid for the movie, too, because I was like, with apologies, I'm going to make you sit through this. And during the car chases, there were points where there was that fake post-production zoom where they blow right. up the image so it looks like you're zooming in, but it wasn't natural and it wasn't how the image was captured. And at one point, it was so bad, you could actually see like the kind of outlines of the digital, the little oh, pixels, man. and I was like, no way. And it was so, like the screen was fine. I don't think it was anything to do with the projection. I think it was really just whoever edited that together was just bull. And right. sound effects would come like half a second later. There's one point where the John McClane actually punched a guy and the punch didn't land after the guy like fit, hit the ground. <laughs> I'm like, no way. Like, yeah. how do you not catch this? Somebody spent over a million dollars producing this. What the hell? <laughs> John Moore directed this installment and probably the best movie he's done is Behind Enemy Lines, which is an okay movie. Not great. Okay. But the most recent film of his I saw was Max Payne, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the guy just does not know how to direct a movie. Good, so he's just naturally incompetent. And I'm not a huge fan of Lynn Wiseman either. Uh, and he did the fourth Die Hard film. Mm -hmm. Say what you will about Lynn Wiseman. At least when I watch Die Hard 4, I can understand what is happening. 
in those action scenes. I had fun. And understand this is where the characters are. This yeah. is what they're doing. This is where they're headed. There's some sort of a motivation. <laughs> right, right. It's just nice to be able to, to have a sense of geography in the action. Whereas John Moore seems like he's taking a page out of the Michael Bay playbook here. And oh. it's just like, well, we're just going to shake the camera and do some random cutting. And lens flares. Lots of lens flares and we're going to zoom in a lot. And it's going to make you feel like you're in the action, even though you have no idea what the hell is happening. What an ugly ass film. Like, that's the, really what I walked out. I was like, damn. That was ugly. <laughs> yes, it is an ugly movie. You know, we, we've seen a lot of uh, stinkers so far in 2013, Monica. Jesus, yes. But I have to say, out of all of them, Die Hard 5 is probably the worst. Yeah. It just fails on every single level. There are three minutes of good movie, which I will discuss in the spoiler section. Okay, good. Because I think I might have missed those. <laughs> yeah, the rest is, is just terrible mm -hmm. and you know i went into die hard 5 not expecting it to be great because i i that i thought the trailers made it look really boring yeah but i was not expecting it to be this bad i mean this is this just went beyond even my low expectations i mean so i was warned by a friend of mine who is a huge john mcclain fan like he says like when he first saw John McClane back in the 80s in the first Die Hard, he was like, I wanted to grow up to be John McClane. And so now he goes into this and is like, destroyed. <laughs> and right. he's like, I do not want this. <laughs> and so, so I was like, okay, maybe he's just overreacting because they did something different with the character. I know that happened with uh, James Bond when he first did um, Casino Royale. A lot of people were like, whoa, James Bond's not supposed to be like this, man. But then I saw this and I was like, oh, this isn't taking the character really in a different direction. This is just watering him down to, like, the consistency of Kool-Aid. Like, it's just, there's nothing of substance here. Nothing at all. No. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that this movie actually made me want a Die Hard 6. Because <laughs> I actually like all of the other Die Hard movies. And I do not want the series to end on this note. No. Yeah. Because it is so terrible. Maybe they could just connect... John McClane to the Red series, and that's how that'll happen. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. He starts it. All right. Well, I think we've been talking for around 10 minutes, so I, th I think that'll wrap it up for part one of Do our discussion. Do not go see this movie. Yeah, don't don't go see it. Just let's pretend it doesn't exist. This is, this is a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull Terminator Salvation level atrocity. Yes. Uh, it not only doesn't work as a diehard movie, it's just an awful movie. Mm -hmm. In general, it's terrible. Uh, that'll wrap it up for part one. Don't forget to tune into part two for a much more in-depth look at the film. When I say a more in-depth look, expect a much more in-depth rant about <laughs> where this movie goes Can wrong. we talk the gender politics of this director, the article yes. that you found? Because I'm so excited to go into that. Yes, we will We will talk about that in, in part two. And uh, don't forget to tune in next week when I'm not sure what we're going to be discussing next week. I have a screening for Snitch if you really want to. But we also have the young adult, um, teen, supernatural teen romance thing that we were kicking around. Right. We might do an episode on Dark Skies or Snitch. Uh, but I know, Monica, you and I had talked about also doing something related to beautiful creatures. So we'll see what, what our schedules allow for. But we've got lots of good stuff coming your way. So tune into that. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. 
You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including our new show, All About the Ultimate Fighter, Cage Side. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on the Twitters at MCastiMovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at BOFCA.com. All right. You can find some of my writing at FilmGeekRadio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. All right, that'll wrap up for this episode of Cinema Fix. I'm Andrew Johnson. Hi, Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah.